0: Hello and welcome to another episode of JHE Ministries Bible Study, where we study God's Word. I'm Jeffrey, minister and chaplain with JHE Ministries, and I'm glad you joined us today. Be sure to follow this podcast and you'll receive notifications every time there's a new podcast. Well, as you know, those that have been following, we are studying the book of Luke, and we are just about done unpacking chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, turn to that chapter. And we'll pick it up with verse 40. Let's get into it. Now, last time we saw Jesus healing a demon-possessed man. And now we'll finish this chapter with Jesus raising a little girl from the dead. And then, if time permits, we'll start the next chapter in the book of Luke, chapter 9, where we see the feeding of the 5,000. So let's turn to our Bibles, to verse 40, and let's begin. This is a girl restored to life, and woman healed. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, "Who touched me?" When all denied it, Peter and those of him said, "Master, the multitude's throng press you, and you say, "Who touched me?" But Jesus said, "Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me." Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. When Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her. But he said, Do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping." And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one. Part of the section on Jesus's power is composed of two intertwined stories. In both the power and compassion of Jesus, they are notably displayed. Also in both, we see the importance of faith. Another point of comparison may be that Jairus' daughter suffered a hemorrhage during the same period of time. Not also the tension created needs prevention of impending death and helping a pathetic woman whose illness had isolated her from normal life and relationships. So in verses 40 to 42, we see Jesus went back across the Sea of Galilee to the western shore. And there another crowd was waiting for him. And Jairus (coughs) who was a ruler of the synagogue was especially anxious to see Jesus because he had a 12 year old daughter it was his only daughter and she was dying so he urgently begs Jesus to go with him quickly but the multitudes thronged him and this hindered his progress and leading us into verse 43 in this crowd was a timid yet desperate woman She'd been afflicted with a flow of blood for 12 years. And Luke, the physician, admits that she had spent all of her life savings, all of her income on physicians and not getting any help. Nothing was getting fixed. And in the book of Mark, Mark adds that she had gotten worse. And the crowds, now an integral part of the narrative, cover the woman's furtive approach to Jesus. Now, Luke does not specify the exact nature of the bleeding, which may have taken to mean maybe it was a gynecologic, gynecological problem. But these restrictions were, that she had were imposed by Leviticus 15 and by the Jewish customs that would have radically affected this woman's life. They were not permitted to be around <clears throat> blood, to touch blood, Or anything that was bloody. But her primary problem was her discomfort. And this instrument that she had. Of this prolonged melodity. Verses 44. She sensed that there was great power in Jesus. That would heal her. So she makes her way through the crowd. To where he was. And she stoops down. And she just touches the border of his garment. The hem. the, the, The fringe of his garment which formed the lower border of a Jew's robe, and immediately the blood stopped flowing. It didn't take an hour or two. It was immediate. She was completely cured. And then she tries to go away quietly, but her escape was blocked by a question from Jesus, who touched me? Peter and the other disciples thought that this was kind of a silly question. I mean, we got all these people that are shoving and pushing and trying to get to Jesus. And, of course, he's being bumped and pushed and touched. And for him to single out know that somebody touched him? <laughs> but in verse 46, Jesus recognized that this touch was different. As someone has said, the flesh throngs, but faith touches. Now, he knew faith had touched him because he's an outflow of power, the power to heal the world. He perceived that power had gone forth from him. Not, of course, that he was any less powerful than he had been before, but simply that it cost him something to heal. There was an expenditure that went out through him. And so there's been two questions that are raised. The woman's touching his cloak as though magical power could be transferred, and, and Jesus' awareness of the transfer of power, apparently without knowledge of who had done this. As to the first question, the intrusion of the Hellenistic ideas and superstitions may indeed have influenced her action, but Jesus did not quench the smoldering wick of her faith. Instead, he fans her faith into a big flame. And regarding the second issue, Jesus's question need not to imply ignorance of any kind of the woman's identity, but only his intention of singling her out. Yet the dialogue suggests that he knew only the fact that the power had been transferred. But while at times Jesus chose to heal people who had not expressed any faith, the reverse seems to be true here. Namely, that someone with faith in Jesus drew on his power without his conscious selection of that person. Now, God may have extended his healing power through his son without Jesus yet being aware of the woman's identity, that's always possible. But in verses forty-seven and forty-eight, the woman had desired to go unnoticed, possibly because of the embarrassment of her illness for all this time period, these years that she had had this, or because of her audacity breaking her ritual isolation to touch Jesus's cloak. And but the woman came trembling before Jesus. And gave an apologetic explanation of why she had touched him and a grateful testimony of what had happened. Her public confession of faith seems to indicate why Jesus asked who touched him. Jesus prefaced his traditional words of benediction by the words of grace. Her public confession was rewarded with a public combination of her faith by Jesus and a public pronouncement of his peace upon her. No one ever touched Jesus by faith without his knowing it and without receiving a blessing. No one ever confesses him openly without being strengthened in assurance of salvation. Always remember that. Now in verse 49, the episode of the sick woman delayed Jesus until the word of death of Jairus' daughter had reached him and the healing of the woman with the issue of the blood probably did not delay Jesus very long, but it was long enough for a messenger to arrive with the news that Jairus' daughter was dead and that therefore the teacher's services would no longer be needed. There was faith that Jesus could heal but none that he could raise the dead with that statement. Yet the woman's healing also paved the way for Jesus's words in verse 50. Jesus, however, would not be dismissed so easily. Jesus answered with words of comfort, with encouragement and promise. Jesus says, don't be afraid, only believe and she will be made well. So in verses 51 to 53, As soon as Jesus arrived at the home, he went to the room, taking with him only Peter, James, and John, along with the parents of the daughter, or of the girl. Now, occasionally, Jesus selected Peter, James, and John alone to be with him. And we saw this, or, you know, we will see this at the Transfiguration and also in Gethsemane. Everyone was waiting in despair. These could have been professional whalers which was a custom at times to hire people to cry and wail over the death of somebody. But Jesus told them to stop because the girl was not dead, but sleeping. This caused them to ridicule Jesus because, well, they knew or they were very positive that she was dead. Was she really dead or was she in a deep sleep? Maybe like a coma. Most theologians and most commentators say she was dead. The Bible mentions three separate occasions of Jesus raising the dead. This also could have been why there was a little bit of delay killing the woman. He wanted time for this passing of this daughter to perform this miracle of raising her back from the dead. Food for thought. And in verse 54 to 56, but in any case, Jesus said to her, Little girl, arise. She rose immediately. After restoring her to her parents, Jesus told them not to publicize the miracle. He was not interested in notoriety, in fickle public enthusiasm, or idle curiosity. Another thing I want you to take notice of is Jesus asked to feed the little girl, get her something to eat right away. Could not very well be fact of the point that she had been dead, and if she's eating, that would prove that she's alive, she's eating something. Um, the secrecy that's involved in the command to silence fits in with Jesus's frequent desire to avoid publicity, to prevent premature or misguided declarations of his Messiahship from being made. Of course, it would be hard to keep silent about a girl's restoration to an active life, but the use of the word "sleep" may suggest that the crowd assumed that she had, after all, only been in a coma, but The words, her spirit returned, plainly imply that the child was actually dead. Her spirit returned. It had been gone because she was dead. The secrecy of this miracle is in contrast with the public nature of the raising of the young man from Nain. And with that, that concludes chapter 8. But we can quickly start unpacking chapter 9. Because this ends the second year of Jesus' public ministry. Chapter 9 opens the third year with the sending forth of the 12. Or I, I should have said, chapter 8 is the second year of Jesus' public ministry, as where chapter 9 opens the third year. And we'll see the sending out of the 12 disciples. The differences among the various Gospels on the instructions to the disciples may be the result of an intertwining of traditions, but Jesus may also have given similar instructions on different occasions. What is described in these sending passages in the Gospels is not appointment to a permanent office, but commissioning for an immediate task. Such an appointment could therefore be repeated using words essentially similar, though varying in details. The common theme in all such passages, including the passage in the third book of John, with chapters 5 to 7, is that the servants of Christ should go forth, not seeking support from unbelievers, but trusting God to completely supply their needs through his people, And that opens us up to chapter 9. Next time, we will begin reading chapter 9, and then start visiting about the verses that we read, where Jesus will send forth his disciples. So until next time, God bless you. And keep living, Christian Strong.